Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by one of the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner. Will is not with us today. Uh, he hurt himself this morning and could not join us. Um, but we are back, as we said uh, two weeks ago. We said it would be two weeks, and it's been two weeks. So we're bringing you an episode today, and it is a jam-packed episode because we're going to start out uh, with some discussion about the Titans receiver position, because I feel like it's one of the more mysterious positions on the team, and it gives us some uh, a pretty meaty discussion topic in the middle of the boring off season. And then after that, uh, Jonathan Cyprian is going to join the show. I got to talk to him a few weeks ago, and so we'll have that interview for you at the end of the episode. Um, but before we get into the receiver position, big news um, coming out on Wednesday, and that is that Nashville will be the host of the 2019 NFL Draft. Thoughts on that, Matthias? Yeah, no, it's awesome. Awesome for the city. Awesome for the team also, now that the team is kind of on the rise. Um, and the NFL really took note of the, uh, the uniform unveiling uh, and how cool of an event that was. Um, and I think they cited that as one of the reasons why they, why they chose Nashville. Uh, so it's also, I, I think it's cool that the NFL has finally uh, started to go to different locales to host the draft because it was getting so boring. Uh, it, it was in New York every, every year for like, I don't know, years. 40 years or something like that. 50 years. Okay, 65 to 2015. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's cool that they've done it in. I think they did in Chicago two years, and they did Philadelphia, Dallas last year. Um, and, and it's cool. I mean, Nashville is an awesome city. Um, I love visiting there when I, when I can, uh, and also going to Titans games. So um, I don't know if I'll be there for the draft, um, but if you live around the area, you should definitely go. Um, so before we hop into the receiver position. Uh, we do have a guest host taking Will's place today, um, another writer from Titan Sized, who wrote a really awesome piece a week or two ago about the, the receiver position and Tajay Sharp and, and Taewon Taylor in particular. We're going to welcome Nick Lombardi into the Titan Sized podcast for the first time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Sorry uh, Will had to hurt himself for me to be here, but I'm, <laughs> hopefully I can pick up the slack for him. Um, so let's start off at the very top of the receiver depth chart. Obviously, uh, this team is wanting Corey Davis to be their number one receiver. And I think this is kind of how a lot of people expected the situation to go. They took him fifth overall uh, last year. And this is kind of what the Falcons did when they drafted Julio Jones in the first round several years ago. He didn't come in as the starter from day one. He was behind Roddy White and Harry Douglas at first. And then he just kind of worked his way up. And in the second year, they rolled with him as the starter. And it's an approach a lot of teams take with their first-round draft picks. So last year, the starters on day one were, uh, well, actually, I guess Eric Decker and Richard Matthews. But Davis worked himself up, uh, had kind of a disappointing rookie season, mostly due to injury, but then kind of broke out in the uh, divisional playoff game against the Patriots with two touchdown catches, both against his now teammate, Malcolm Butler. So uh, what should expectations be for Corey Davis in 2018? And can the Titans rely on him in just his second year to get, you know, maybe 100 targets? I actually really like that uh, that you recalled to, to how the Falcons brought in Julio Jones or brought him along. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought Corey Davis showed some Julio Jones-esque 
traits in college, uh, especially his breakaway speed um, on short slants and some short routes uh, that he could take at a distance that um, we weren't able to see last year. Uh, and it's also it's also an apt comparison with that Falcons team because Rashard Matthews and Roddy White, uh, they're kind of they're built similarly and they kind of win in similar ways. Uh, so that's that's a good uh, good reference. Uh, a plus for that. As for Corey Davis, I don't I don't know what I'm expecting this year. Uh, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to break out as as much as people people are hoping for. Um, just because last year was was kind of rough. Uh, I mean, he obviously had. Uh, some bright moments, like you said, in the postseason game. And even in the first game against the Raiders, I, th- I thought it was very good. Uh, but there were too many times there were so many miscommunications with him and Mariota. Um, and I don't know if that was due to the offense uh, or him running sloppy routes or, or whatever. Uh, but it did lead to some interceptions, and, and it makes me a little cautious uh, going in his second year. Um, and also just because he was injured for a good majority of the year. Um, and even before in the preseason and during training camp. Um, so I'm not sure what we can expect, but uh, obviously the Titans have, have placed a lot of a lot of confidence in him by not going out and signing a receiver or drafting a receiver. Yeah, and just to add on to that, I think a big thing for him is going to be staying healthy, especially you know during the preseason and when he's going to be learning his second offense in two years. Um he's going to need to be healthy and being out there and getting experience and building up that repertoire with uh, Marcus. And I think if he can stay healthy, he'll have a solid year. I don't think he's going to kill it. Like some people think he might, I think it'll be Mm -hmm. a good growing year. Um, And we'll see more from what we expected last year. Um, But I think there's still going to be growing pains just because, I mean, the difference between a Rubisky slash Malarkey offense and now like the Shanahan LaFleur is going to be, a lot and it looked like him and both him and uh taylor looked a little lost at times next year mm-hmm. so i think they might struggle again with this new offense just kind of picking it up um but hopefully uh lafleur can do some uh damage control and you know make it easier on the guys whereas i think malarkey and rubisky asked a lot of their rookies and didn't cut them any slack you know i think it's yeah. interesting um that derrick henry made the comment last week about how the the new offense of LaFleur is totally different than, at least conceptually, than what Robisky and Malarkey ran. And it apparently only took him one day of OTAs to figure that out. <laughs> so that that's good news. But at the same time, as you mentioned, it's a lot for a rookie to have to learn a second offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or not, and I uh, think that's something important player. to note. Yeah, yeah, but like learning an offense is obviously not easy, um, and especially when you're going through two different offenses um, with different terminologies, different route concepts, and all that. Um, if for a rookie who who even struggled last year, um, well, I'm not, I don't know if he struggled to learn the playbook, but he was injured and wasn't able to be on the field uh, learning the offense on the fly. So I think it's important to note that. And uh, another thing to note. Um, if you're like expecting a huge statistical season from him, uh, no receiver on the Rams last year in the Matt LaFleur offense really, really had a huge year. They were all very good. Um, and they posted solid stat lines. Um, but I don't think any of them went over a thousand yards. I could be wrong. Um, but I mean, they got the job done. They were really good. They were put in, in positions to succeed. Um, but that offense was, was run mainly through Todd Gurley. Um, so, that's another thing to to keep in mind. 
Neither Derrick Henry nor Deion Lewis are Todd Gurley, by the way. <laughs> can can confirm. So, um, the next guy on the list, Richard Matthews, one of the more interesting humans maybe to ever play for the Titans. Some of the stuff he posts <laughs> on social media is very odd. Like he, when he had a Twitter, he used to uh, like go. Uh, at it with fans and he would like i don't Mm -hmm. know he's very political um he was the guy that stayed in the locker room for the anthem however you feel about that whatever but on the field he he was very disappointing last year he started hot then he got hurt and when he came back he was never really the same guy and we talked a lot i remember throughout the season matthias about he was the number one receiver very clearly before his injury. So Mm -hmm. what do we expect his role will be? Because obviously we know Corey Davis is going to be the X, but is Rashard Matthews kind of the bona fide number two receiver? And, and do we think he'll get the same amount of targets as Davis? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you guys think is the potential for that situation? Yeah, I think, I think he profiles as a number two. Um, I think, I mean, when I would tweet from the Titans guys account and be like, Richard Matthews, wide receiver one, I was doing it jokingly. I don't actually think that he's he's the number one receiver on this team um, because that's supposed to be Corey Davis. He profiles better from a, a measurable standpoint and, and just the way that they that they went on the field. Um, I, I didn't think I didn't think Richard was bad last year. Uh, I thought he um, he suffered because the offense was just anemic uh and Mariota Mariota struggled as well therefore Richard obviously struggled but I mean he was at 15 yards per reception which is very good um his his catch percentage or percentage of targets caught um was just as good as 2016 if not slightly better um so I feel comfortable as him as the number two receiver uh I think he's still in the prime of his career he's only 28 years old um so yeah, I, I think he'll get around a hundred targets. Um, probably not the hundred eight he he got in twenty sixteen. Um, especially if Corey Davis comes on as strong as we believe uh, he will. Uh, but I think around ninety to hundred targets is probably a, a good estimate. Maybe around eight hundred yards, uh, five or six touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think he kind of, if we're looking at the Rams from last year, he kind of reminds me of Robert Woods a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, both are just like six feet tall. They're not huge guys, but they're good, solid possession receivers who can block. Um, and Woods had almost 800 yards and five touchdowns last year. So I think that's kind of, I, I think it'll be him and, um, Corey on opposite ends. And I think he's a solid number two. Um, I do think it's interesting. This is a contract year for him. So he's going to want to, he's going to want to, uh, rack up the stats and stay on the field and have a big year. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see if, you know, some guys, you know, blow it out of the water on their contract year. And this is probably going to be, the you know, I think he's 29 or so. So this is probably going to be the last big contract he gets as a wide receiver. So this is going to be a huge year for him. Yeah, I I mean, I don't have like any info on this, but I, I think I'd be surprised if he comes back after this year. I mean, Will has been talking for for like a year uh, that Richard Matthews is a trade candidate. Um and they, he had like a weird absence last off season, or yeah, it might have been during the season. Um, and all the all the anthem stuff that he kind of gets into it with fans. Um, I, I don't know if John Robinson's going to want him back after this year. 
uh, I forget who it was. Um, oh, maybe Bucky Brooks. No, no, no. Because mm-hmm. I, I have him muted. It couldn't have been him. It, it, <laughs> it was someone from a spot track that the contract website talking about how mm-hmm. like uh, Rashard Matthews needs to be extended because you know you saw Dante Moncrief get nine million, and I think uh, yeah. I think Rashard is just as good, if not better, than Dante Moncrief. So, um, I don't know. He's on a bargain for this year. His price is going to shoot up next year, and it's probably not a price that John Robinson is going to want to pay when he can just say Tajay Sharp is the second starter and he's going to make $750,000. Yeah, especially since Richard, uh, I mean, he's not old, but he's going to turn 29 midseason, um, and that's not a guy you commit big money to. Um, especially on like a like a three year contract where he's going to be thirty two by the end of the by the end of the deal. Okay, so so now is where I feel like we get into some uh, any uh, least less clarity anyway on the receiver situation. <laughs> uh, uh, Tajay Sharp and Taywan Taylor. I, Nick, I want to give you the floor mainly because I keep stuttering and I don't know why I, I keep fumbling <laughs> over my words. I'm just going to give you the floor. We're unless, rusty. We're rusty. Yeah, yeah it's been a couple weeks. We're, we're, I'm going to let you kind of talk about how you see Taylor and Sharp fitting in to the uh, the wide receiver core this year because you had some really good thoughts on that uh, last week. So take it away. Okay. Uh, well, what – the way that post got started was I was just kind of looking at the Rams offense, trying to get an idea of, you know, how that, what they ran was going to translate to the Titans based on what the current roster was. Um, and as you know, as I mentioned, I think the Rams had the highest percentage of 11 personnel uh, with three wide receivers out there. I think they ran it like 70% of the time. Um, and as you said, they didn't have any one receiver that was really great. They really spread it around between their top three receivers, uh, Sammy Watkins, um, Cooper Cup, and then uh, Robert Woods, like I mentioned. So like I, I do think that Matthews kind of matches up to a Woods-type character. Corey Davis is kind of the Sammy Watkins dynamic guy on uh, mm-hmm. who can go downfield. But then Cooper Cup was a slot receiver, and he's not – you know, when you think of the slot receivers, you think of the small, quick, shifty guys like a Wes Welker type. Cooper Cup is 6'2", not very fast, but he's a great route runner and uh, has great hands. And so I was kind of thinking, is LaFleur going to go the route where he sticks with a similar type character to Cup just, you know, con- give for convenience sake and, you know, to keep running the same type of offense? Or is he going to go with Taewon Taylor, who a lot of people seem to have already crowned the slot receiver? Um, and I, I do think Taylor has some good qualities. You know, he's, he ran a great three cone time. He's great after the catch. Um, but he did kind of look lost in the offense last year. He didn't really blow me away with the opportunities that he got. Um, and so the other guy that's left is Tajay Sharp and Sharp fits the mold perfectly. I mean, he's, um, exact, exactly the same height as cup. About to say he's a little lighter, but he's faster. And, you know, his his bread and butter was his route running in his hands. Um, so he not only matches up well with Cup, but also Mohamed Sanu, who was the Falcons slot receiver when uh, LaFleur was there as well under Shanahan. Um, so he makes more sense if you're going to go with, like, continuity. Um, 
but I, I'm not really sure what to expect out of it. It's, you know, it's kind of just more of a connect the dots. Um, but on the flip side, not only do I think that he makes sense in terms of continuity, I think he makes more sense playing the slot than he does on the outside because I don't think he's big enough, fast enough, or strong enough to you know play against these big physical corners now. Um, you know, if you remember a couple years ago, the big knock on the Titans receivers was that they couldn't create separation. Um, I think Sharp can create separation with his route running. I think the issue is that he can't keep it. You know, if he was like playing someone like a Dory Jackson on the outside and he makes a move to create a little gap, unless the ball is already in the air, like Dory has the speed to catch back up to him and close that gap. And, you know, I don't think Tajay can sustain that and he can't win jump balls. So moving him to the inside where he can utilize his route running ability and, you know, he'll be matched up on smaller corners and be able to use his height and his, you know, lack of strength and weight won't be as big of an issue. I think it's kind of working out for both sides. And the other side of that is I think that the Titans should give Taewon some reps on the outside. You know, we were just discussing Rashard Matthews being a free agent, not wanting him to bring him back. Well, if that's the case, you got to see what the other guys on your roster have. So um, I think both those guys should be, you know, swapping in and out at both the slot and the outside position just to get a good idea mm-hmm. of how they're going to work in that offense. Um, and I think, you know, another knock on the Titans receiving core is a lack of athletic ability. And even though I think Taewon struggled last year, he definitely, you know, has that explosive ability in yards after the catch. So if you can try him on the outside, um, I believe he led the league or he led the NCAA in like deep pass percentage or something like that his senior year. Mm -hmm. So he's a deep ball threat. um, But, you know, Malarkey kind of just slotted him at the slot or gadget plays last year. So I think I think he deserves a shot at the outside. I, I don't where want he's more another dirt sweep. Oh my gosh, I got so tired of this. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> please, yeah, no. no more jet sweeps. Okay. Although they did have Tavon Austin in LA last year, and he ran that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of hoping sure. that we don't see uh, see more of that out of Tavon this year. I want to see him be like an actual real receiver and see what he's got. It's interesting because I always felt that Tavon Taylor was more in the like. Randall Cobb mold of, you know, a slot receiver who can do those kinds of things. But when we had a Jonathan Kinsley on a month or two ago, the the brick wall blitz guy on Twitter, he said that his impression of Taewon Taylor is that he is more of a gadget kind of guy, like a Tavon Austin, which is strange because I don't think that's what his athletic profile is. Mm. I mean, Mm. Taylor at Western Kentucky was the, you know, 130 targets a season 1500 receiving yards guy he wasn't the kick returner punt returner blow you away guy and that's what Tavon austin has always been right and yeah i don't i i don't agree with that the the take from in fact brick wall blitz literally 21 seconds ago i'm looking at twitter john put up an article about Taywan taylor you're kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and I'm trying to scroll through it to see if there's a a take. Oh, wow. Calls him uh, similar to Tyreek Hill. Whoa, <laughs> that's an odd comparison. Tyreek, uh, Ty- Taewon is- Taylor has the acceleration. I don't know. You can go read that on Music City Miracles if you want to. I, th- I think people think, like, Taewon's smaller than he is. Like, he's 5'11" like 205 yeah, yeah he's like not he's small. not tiny like he's like richard matthew size pretty much i've, ne- I've never Tavon austin is 
you know, it's five eight one eighty. Like Tajay Sharp. Not, uh, Tajay Sharp is what six two, and whenever I look at him, he looks tiny to me, just because he's so, so thin. thin. Yeah, like I, I think that Taewon can hold up better on the outside than Tajay will. Tajay will get pushed around. I, remember, I think Taewon's a little more physical. I remember at camp mm-hmm. last year when uh, when he was out there, he obviously he wasn't in pads because he was on the the PUP list. When he was out there, like the bottoms of his legs, like his calves, mine are bigger than his. <laughs> it's weird. Wait, yeah, we're talking I mean, about Tajay? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, uh, so I have a. Uh, it's not that I don't like Tajay Sharp. Like I have nothing against him. Um, but I think the the way the NFL is kind of going is these big slot receivers. And while he is six two, um, he's not big. Like he doesn't outmuscle anyone. So I'm not sure if it's even a mismatch to put him on these nickel cornerbacks or, or even these safeties because he cannot outmuscle them at all. Um, and he struggled a bit at the catch point uh, in his rookie season, um, so I don't know. I don't. I'm really not expecting much from Sharp. I am expecting more from Taiwan um, because just just his athletic profile, his college production, and what I saw out of him in college, it just I see a good prospect. And I was surprised that that he struggled so much last season. Um, I mean, let's be honest, he wasn't good. He he dropped too many passes. Um, he really wasn't all that great at the catch point, um, which he was in college. Um, so I, I guess he just has to adjust to the next level. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where they're going to play him. I, I think Taiwan fits better in the slot um, just because he, he's so shifty um, and he can really get open over the middle of the field. And, and he did a lot in college. So I like him there. Um, I hope he develops. Um but I, I really don't know. I the the thing when I see Taiwan, um, I, 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 he's kind of built in the in a similar way to Doug Baldwin, but Doug Baldwin is one of the best route runners in the entire NFL, and he can get open against anyone. I got to, um, I got to watch him in person this year when Seattle came to Nashville, and it, it's nuts him, watching him. It's like us. like watching Christian McCaffrey carry the ball. Because I, I compared McCaffrey to Darren Sproles like he's just this little human joystick. It, it was the same thing mm. watching Doug Baldwin run routes. He's just like a little joystick and makes turns and like like it's nobody's business. Yeah, I love Doug Baldwin. So I hope Taiwan Taylor becomes him. That'd be nice. Wasn't uh, yeah. you looked at some site at one point, Matthias, where like Baldwin was yeah. his comp or something? Yeah. So on PlayerProfiler.com. Uh, which is very good for for comparisons and athletic and 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 collegiate profiles. Uh, Taiwan Taylor's best comparable is actually Doug Baldwin, um, and that takes into account all of his athletic testing, uh, also his college dominator rating, college yards per yards per reception, and uh, breakout age. So you can hang your hat on that, but. I mean, <laughs> don't don't because there's there's some some great comps that never never turn out uh, yeah turn out right. And surprisingly, Tajay Sharp's comp is uh, Stevie Johnson, who used to play for the Bills, and that actually does make some sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense now that you bring that up. <laughs> yeah, they're both really slight, but they're tall, um, and they can get open. So, uh, but Corey Davis's comp is Jordan Matthews. So let's just. Let that go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So finally, with the receivers, you have Michael Campanaro. I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe it's Campanaro. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have Nick Williams, who I had never heard of prior to a week ago when the Titans signed him. Um, why? <laughs> I guess it's my question with those <laughs> two players. At least with Nick Williams. Uh, Campanero caught 18 passes last year. He's a special teamer. He'll probably return kickoffs and let Adoree get some rest during that. You know, that's fine. But why is Nick Williams on this football team? And, you know, first I'll ask what you think those two players' roles will be because I think uh, Campanero is just going to be an exclusively special teams player. But number two, like, that's pretty terrible depth. Like, we talked about it before the show. If one of the top two guys, Matthews or Davis, goes down, you're counting on either Michael Campanaro or Nick Williams to have a huge role. Yeah, so I'd be shocked if Nick Williams makes a team. I I think he's just a camp body. Uh, Campanaro makes a ton more sense just because of his special teams ability, uh, primarily his return ability. Um, and I know um, one of you um, previously said that uh, that Taiwan. Uh, well, I don't know that Taiwan. Like Ty, we were talking about Taiwan as a as a gadget player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if, if anyone's used it as a gadget player, it could be Campanaro uh, because he has gotten uh, uh, rushing opportunities in the past, um, and his numbers actually aren't that bad. Um, I mean, for his career, he has ten rushes for 131 yards, uh, and he did score a rushing touchdown somehow. Um, and coming out of college, uh, a lot of people did like him. A lot of draft analysts did like him, uh, and they thought he profiled really nicely as a as a Wes Welker type slot receiver. Not because he's white, but just because of his his frame uh, and the way he won in college. Um, it hasn't panned out for him, um, so I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I think he has a much better chance of making the team than Nick Williams. Um, just for his returnability, uh, he, he's actually a, a very good kick return and punt returner. Um, so I, I, they might uh, they might just tell Adoree Jackson, go focus on playing cornerback. Don't worry about punt returns or kick returns. Uh, I, I, I think he should. I think he should return punts, not maybe not kickoffs. I never really understood why he was returning kickoffs. I agree. I agree. Kickoffs are just car crashes waiting to happen. I, don't mm-hmm. put your don't put your prized possession up there. Yeah. Uh, but if we want to talk about um, depth, uh, like you said, it, it's bad. Um, so I'm hoping maybe uh, an undrafted free agent named uh, Deontay Burnett from USC. I was about USC. to bring him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's an intriguing guy just because he was very productive last season. He was Sam Darnold's uh, go-to receiver. Um, he can make plays. Um, he he was hurt by the uh, by the pre-draft process. I think he I think he tore his hamstring or or, or both of it. I don't know. He tore I think he tore a hamstring, um, and that's why he ran a terrible forty-yard uh, dash time. Uh, I believe at his pro day, uh, so that hurt him. Um, and he's also really really skinny, so I don't know if he can hold up at the next level. Um, but he's a guy that's way more dynamic than Campanaro or Nick Williams, and honestly probably way more dynamic than Tajay Sharp uh, in my opinion so we'll see if he can if he can uh win a spot on the roster uh and considering our depth at receiver I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does yeah I was looking up in terms of depth so our top five receivers are Davis uh Matthews Sharp 
Taylor and then Campanaro. I looked up all the receiving yards from last year, and obviously injuries <laughs> played a factor in this. But combined, all five of those guys combined only have 41 more yards than Antonio Brown. So, wow. uh, <laughs> we're, uh, and like I said, injuries, like Tajay didn't play at all, but we didn't, this is a receiving group that didn't have much production last year. And they're coming into an offense that relied heavily on the passing game. So it's really going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And I think LeFleur could get creative in terms of like just having his best players on the field, like either Sharp or Taylor. And, you know, Taylor's a higher pedigree. Someone has to step up. Or they're just going to wait and hope someone decent, you know, gets released and they can scoop them up because this, the depth is just not there. And like you said, it's one injury away from becoming really bad. And it is good, I guess, yeah, and, uh, that, that they have Delaney Walker too, because and Johnny Smith, because Walker's going to be a, probably pretty close to the same guy he's been in the past three or four years, the the old reliable Pro Bowl tight end who catches 75, 80 passes. Uh, so that that kind of takes some pressure off the position, but you need more from the position. I've said it for a long time. You cannot go into a season with a 32-year-old tight end being your best deep threat, and that's kind of the position <laughs> the Titans are in right now, still. Yeah, and th- that's why we were talking before the podcast that um, it obviously it would make a lot of sense for them to bring in a veteran uh, later in the offseason, kind of like they did with Decker, uh, last year um and honestly it could be decker again because if we want to if we want to go to lafleur's past um nick mentioned that muhammad sanu and um and cooper cup have been his uh his slot receivers uh at his last two stops um and that's a big t- a big bodied slot receiver which is exactly what eric decker is and what he's best at um so i wouldn't be surprised at all if he's brought back yeah, I know a lot of people wouldn't like that because uh, he had some mm-hmm. some rough games last year. But I do think he got, despite the drops, he was starting to play better at the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And a and a full healthy preseason with the team could maybe help. Um, yeah, I think they need to do something. They need to add somebody. And I was kind of surprised. I mean, I really loved how the draft turned out, but I thought they were gonna, you know, they were looking at a lot of wide receivers. Um, so I wonder if maybe just because. Um, Landry fell into their lap. Things got changed up because I thought they were going to maybe draft Gallup, who ended up going to maybe Dallas, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought they were going to add another top wide receiver, and they didn't end up doing it there. So I, I thought there I, was I bet a you chance, Robinson has plans. Uh, they were going to take Richie James from MTSU instead yeah. of Luke Falk. I thought so too. Yeah. I guess I just really liked Falk. But um, let me just say for Decker, uh, let me. Uh, he, he was he was not great last year, and he hurt us a lot. But I thought he played way more outside receiver than he should have, um, and a lot of that was probably due to Corey Davis being injured uh, for a bunch of games. Um, but if you could just leave Decker in the slot and play him play him half of the snaps, I still think he can contribute. He can contribute a good amount um, because you see so many big slot receivers now. Um, that have kind of aged, but they've aged gracefully. Uh, like Larry Fitzgerald, I'm not saying they're the same caliber of receiver, but they're the same. They're the same body type, um, and they win in the same ways. Reggie so, Wayne, I, another I, guy in that mold. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I wouldn't hate it. I'm on record. <laughs> Nick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for filling in for Will. We appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. This was fun.
So for the next portion of this episode, we are going to welcome Titan Safety Jonathan Cyprian into the show. I had a chance to talk with Jonathan a few weeks ago about the NFL's new uh, contact policy regarding targeting and the possible ejection of players, as well as his excitement for playing with Malcolm Butler and again with Kevin Byard, Logan Ryan, Adoree Jackson, a very talented defense in Tennessee. So without further ado, here is Jonathan Cyprian. So I wanted to chat with you because I saw your your tweet from a couple weeks ago talking about uh, the NFL's new targeting rule. And obviously, as a, a strong side safety, your position is uh, more affected by this rule change than any other position. So I wanted to first ask you, have you been approached by anyone from the league, maybe sent a letter or talked to someone from, from your coaching staff about exactly what the new verbiage is with this rule? Or So I'll start by asking that. So the first thing um, I heard about it was pretty much on TV and how it was kind of enforced. And it was kind of confusing to me because, I mean, it just didn't make too much sense. It wasn't too clear on TV. Since I've been back in Tennessee, um, you know, Coach Vrabel um, talked about it a little bit, but sparingly. Um, I'm honestly waiting until the, uh, you know, the officials actually come into our buildings during camp and really explain this because, you know, like every preseason, um, when there's a new rule implemented, they they harp on it and they throw those flags as many times as they could during this preseason and hopefully not as much during the regular season but man overall i think that you know uh you can only do so much when it comes to football at the end mm-hmm. of the day it's it's hard hitting it's running fast it's making plays and um i think the more things that you put the more chains you put on us man the 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 less our game becomes um um enjoyable so so let's say you're roaming the center field area and a, a slot receiver is running a post right to your side, and, and the ball's in the air. It's a little overthrown. Whereas last year you might have, you know, gotten a full head of steam and, and tried to go towards him. Do you have to change that approach at all this year? I mean, how do you? How does that work mentally for you with this new rule being in place? Ah, man, it just makes you. It tries to make you think twice. But um, you know, honestly, if you want to play, if I want to play, um at the level I've been playing for years, you know, I'm just going to continue to do my thing. I mean, of course, um, we'll practice it to, you know, hit guys, you know, in the between under the head um, in the midsection and pretty much for years, you know, that's what we've been taught as far as how you want to hit someone. Um, But this particular rule has me a little confused because now it's like, I can't even do that. So I don't know what to do. Um, the rule itself is a little bit vague. It says uh, it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet. Do you know if uh, the hit that you were well, you laid on uh, on Travis Kelsey in the wild card game, the one that uh, that unfortunately injured him, do you know if that would now be a foul as opposed to last year where that was just uh, allowed? Yeah, you know what? That's a good question because honestly, you know um, – you know, it was a guy who was just running. It's not like, you know, I caught somebody as they didn't see. It's not like I hit someone, you know, it's, and they didn't do a football move, you know, the whole mm-hmm. world they had, yeah. that, had that going. But, you know, that's just me, you know, running and hitting. And, um, shoot, I, I feel like when we made contact, we were like two yards off the ground, well, above the floor. You know what I mean? So how much, like, where else do I, do you hit a guy, you know, when you're that low? 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and and it's funny because in that with that hit, I felt like I le I leaned in with my shoulder, but if you look on the film, my helmet kind of grazed him as well. So, um, and that was me trying to lean in with my shoulder because you know as a player, shit, we trying to hit, but yeah, we want to protect those too. So I was leaning in with my shoulder, but my helmet still made contact. So there's some stuff you can um you can't help. One of the issues with uh, head-to-head contact, even when the rule was just regarding defenseless players, was the amount of judgment that had to come into play for officials because you would have smaller receivers getting low and you initially aimed for their shoulder, but they lowered and now you hit their head. Do you think that, especially with this new verbiage being added to the rule, that it maybe leaves it even too much more up for interpretation? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how do you feel kind of about that situation? No, I feel 100%. 100%. I feel like the referees have a hard enough job, but for them to put something like this on them to pretty much judge whether a guy got hit, um, you know, with someone's helmet or not, uh, it was hard before. I think it's going to be even harder now. And, you know, it's only so much a human eye could catch. And, um, you know, we've been um, on our officials with enough rules on as far as officiating games um incorrectly this past season and um i just think this is a a setup for them to go through you know a worse year this year than they than they did last um we all saw the pictures of of you and some of the other titans defensive backs at the predators game last night getting fans uh pumped up and more so than anything to do with the predators that photo kind of reminds us of just how strong that core of defensive backs has become for the Titans over the last two years. You've got yourself one of the better run stoppers at safety in the league. You have an all-pro in Kevin Byard, and you have three lockdown man-to-man corners in Adoree Jackson, Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler. So when you look at that defense, especially after the addition of Malcolm Butler in free agency, how does that help specifically your game and Kevin Byard's game as safeties? Does it allow you more freedom to maybe try to jump a pass or make a more aggressive decision that you wouldn't otherwise make just because you're able to trust the cornerbacks in front of you so much more? Yeah, well, first I'd like to say you're right. We do look pretty good on paper. <laughs> but, uh, but besides that, you we know it's, it's crazy because, like you said, we are close. But we understand um, just because we know we are we are great players and we're all all on one team. We still got to put the work in to to become everything we know we can. You know, potential is like the worst word. I feel like when someone could tell you because it means yeah. that you didn't do anything yet. You know what I mean? Potential yeah. because you didn't do anything yet. So we we put that on ourselves. I think we're a special group. I think just mentally for us to continue to get better and better, no matter what we've done in the past. Um, and to answer your other question, man, um, you're right. You know, when you have, um, when you can have faith in, um, locked out corners, like the ones we have, there's definitely things that you can do, um, playing me and Kevin's position where that can put us in, in positions to make more plays. For example, I mean, you know, you have a single receiver side and a three by one, um, formation that safety can lean all the way and help, um, the side of the field where they have more passing threats and just leave the other side of the field totally locked down one-on-one. And when we know our corner could lock up that um, single receiver on that side. Uh, There have been a lot of videos on social media over the last month and a half or so of your group of defensive backs 
outside of the Titans facility doing a lot of workouts and training together, including Malcolm Butler, who's kind of the, the new kid on the block, if you will. How has that uh, that exercise of, of spending time outside the facility together helped? How is that going to help you on the field more than just staying physically fit? It's going to help us on the field because, you know, we could uh, we know what to expect from each other. Um, you know, we see each other sweat. We see each other, um, you know, work hard uh, and everybody push themselves individually. And um, also for us to hear each other and motivate each other when we when we need a little bit um, uh, extra motivation or when we um, when we need a little bit, a little bit of pushing, you know. So it kind of like familiarized ourselves now with just each other's voices when we're at a fatigue state or you know um during a challenging position so um you know on sundays it won't be the first time we ever hear it, you know it won't be the first time we hear um you know um kevin um tell tell myself to um um uh you know uh make sure you get a jam on number mm-hmm. two or it won't be it won't be the first time we hear on myself tell Adori to hey make that next play it's coming your way you know what I mean yeah so it just it just brings a bond that um I think um good or bad that happens um there's no um conversation between us because we know it's all love uh last week your off-season program started next week voluntary mini camp start which I'm sure knowing how hard you work you will of course be at voluntary mini camp um Last week being the start of your off-season program was kind of your first flavoring at St. Thomas Sports Park of your new head coach, Mike Vrabel. And I'm curious, when he got his first opportunity to address you as a team, not just talking to individuals over the phone or maybe one-on-one at the facility, when he got the first opportunity to address the Tennessee Titans as a team, what did he emphasize? What did he tell you that the next uh, you know, 10 or so months that you spend together are going to be about? Well, you know, he was, um, he's, you know, if you know Mike Verbe, he's a direct, um, direct guy. Um, and a lot of people hold him in high regard. And, um, I think he was just honest. It wasn't, um, anything, you know, no hoorah, no, um, anything crazy. But, but, um, I could just tell you, he definitely implemented, you know, we have to be conditioned. Um, we have to learn and uh, we have to communicate. Um, that was the number one thing, um, we spoke about. Um, and I think those are perfect things. Um, going into uh, the beginning of OTAs to harp on so we could um, take another step from there. I'm curious, as uh, now the draft is under a week away, first of all, uh, do do players like you watch the draft? I'm sure some of them do, but what about you personally? Do you watch the draft and, and you know pay attention to you know which quarterback is going to go to which spot? Do you pay attention to that stuff at all? I mean, I mean, I don't honestly like – like I don't, I don't really. I don't have it mm-hmm. like set up on my DVR to make sure I record it if I'm not home. <laughs> but um, I do. I, I if it's on and I'm available and I'm not doing anything for sure, I'll turn it on. You know, I remember. You know, I went through the same um, experience. Those kids that are coming onto the draft. Uh, um, I did the same thing just a couple of years ago. You know, so I know how special it is, and you know it changes every year. Especially now, it's not being in New York every year. Uh, yeah, I definitely turn it on. Um, and, you know, you always want to know who are we bringing on to our team for our team to be um, a little bit better, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of um, a little bit of both. Like I'm not too hyped about it, but at the same time, um, I would watch it if it's on. It's no big deal. 
I want to ask you about kind of your experience five or so years ago, I guess it was, when you were picked by the Jaguars. You were the first pick of day two, 33rd overall. What is the draft experience like for someone like you? Because we always see, you know, the big hot shots like your quarterback, Mariota, who was the second overall pick. You know, the camera's always in their face, but we don't always see, you know, some of the day two and even some of the later picks, uh, what their draft process is really like. So, Tell me about, like, you know, you went to the Senior Bowl, the Combine, all of that stuff. Is it as stressful as it looks running around doing all of that? And how did you kind of manage to to uh, to keep yourself from going insane during that two- or three-month stretch? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, you know, I went through a lot of ups and downs when um, I left college coming into the NFL. Um, it was, you know, it was definitely mentally straining. But um, I feel like, you know, is is the bottom mindset and how you look at things. I'm an optimist about um, everything, so I think that um, it went smoother for me than it could have um, in someone else's position. But um, you know, from leaving Florida International, I had a, I had I think leaving um, FIU I had a fourth to sixth round grade. Um, I didn't automatically have a have a, a, a combine um, offer. I'm not an offer a combine invitation. I didn't automatically have a, a senior bowl invitation. I had to wait um, weeks weeks after um, after I graduated for me to get those in the mail. Um, I finally got those um, where I walked into the senior bowl with that fourth fourth um, through sixth round grade, and I left and I left the senior bowl with the uh, most valuable defensive back player. Um, out of all of those high name defensive backs, quarterbacks, defensive ends coming from SEC, ACC schools, you know, and I and I beat them all out. Um, from there, you know, a lot of buzz was was created. Um, a lot of things changed for me because, uh, you know, from how I was treated to um, how I was looked at as a player, and now from from after that senior bowl, I ended up taking. Had no what no trips scheduled to go to teams, and by the between that time, the Senior Bowl and the draft, I, I, I took fifteen visits to fifteen different teams. It's crazy. Um, I was in there twenty four twenty four hours with each team, and going to the next one, going to the next one. I mean, and do, you, the, do you basically live in the airport when that's going on? All those top thirty visits. Man, living living out of a suitcase, living in the airport for sure. Only good thing is it, you know, as a college kid, you get to order a free meal at the hotel. <laughs> I was on about it. <laughs> uh, last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, I'm sure you weren't entirely pleased with the way your first season in a Titans uniform went, not necessarily for anything you did on the field, but for the fact that you missed so many games due to injury. So maybe aside from, from staying healthy, because obviously that's priority number one, what do you hope to see improve specifically in your game, not not in any of your teammates? What do you want to see Jonathan Cyprian do better in 2018 than he did in 2017 at Nissan Stadium? In 2018, um, what I'm going to do better um, that, I, that I didn't have the opportunity to last year is, you know, one is to get my hands on the ball, um, um, create turnovers for, for our team, uh, make those big plays to um, change a couple games and uh, get us into the playoffs and farther. And um, two, uh, also to, you know, to have be, become a legitimate um, legitimate lockdown safety as I am 
as my corners besides me are. And um as you know, if you look at the if you look at the look at my resume, it'll say all about, you know, run stopper, strong mm-hmm. safety. And being in a new defense um, like this one and even last year's, I feel like there's a lot of more aspects to my game I can touch into. So I feel like me being my man-to-man coverage and also turnovers is going to be a big step for me in 2018. Sip, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Man, thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Big thanks again to Jonathan for taking time to talk with me and join the show. Uh, go follow Jonathan on all platforms of social media. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at SIP, that's C-Y-P, the first three letters of his last name. And on Facebook, his page is titled SIP Squad. So please go connect with uh, with Jonathan Cipriano on all three of those sites. He's a tremendous guy, a great football player, and a good guy to stay in tune with. Uh, over the offseason, our plan for the podcast is to kind of go – Uh, every other week from this point on. Uh, So stay tuned to your iTunes podcast app. Subscribe to us if you haven't already. That way you'll get notified whenever a new episode comes out. Uh, So we'll wait about a week or two. And until then, for Matthias Wadner and today Nick Lombardi, Luke Worsham saying, thanks for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We will talk to everybody in two weeks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.